The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Amen. You may be seated. From the book of Romans, chapter 13 and verse 1, the scripture that we started off with weeks ago, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. And I started a series called Understanding Authority. We talked about the higher powers and we put it into perspective from the scripture that the higher powers is not government, never has been government, never will be government. The highest power is God, number one. Number two, truth, which is voracious authority, which is His Word, and God and His Word are one. And then the third would be the conscience of man. That's how authority works. That's why we as the church cannot allow anybody in government to come and bring things that we must do that violate our conscience because our conscience is subject to truth, which is subject to the sovereignty of God. That's the high powers. Underneath all of that is what we call delegated authority. We begin to deal with that. Government is delegated authority. Government is not supreme authority. That's why when everybody said, shut the church down, it's mandated. Uh, to hell with you. We don't work for you. We work for the king. The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, even the much more you see the day approaching. I must now give money to abort babies. I'm sorry, it's against my conscience. I must now do this and I can go into all the stuff. I'm not gonna bring up all the trash you know, 57 genders and all, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna violate my conscience because my conscience is higher than what you propose to be the law. That is not the law, that's a lie against the Word of God and we will never bow to what is a lie. Can you say amen? So that's very safe for a Christian because all we have to do is stay in the foundation of the Word of God. Delegated authority, we talked about that. You need to go and watch that and you'll see that, please. Please check that out. We talked about stipulated authority, which I won't go into that. Please watch that. And actual fact, today, I was already on the message for next Sunday because I gave my wife the message. She's going to write it out in the bulletin. And I said, baby, here's the message. She said, no, you haven't finished this. I said, no, I'm already there. So I must be honest with you. I'm protesting because I'm really in next Sunday's message preaching. It's a great message. Next Sunday is off the chain. And I was supposed to do it this morning, but I can't after after finish the points. <sighs> Somebody said, What are you going to talk about next? I'm going to talk about leaders and authority, and I'm going to talk to you about what you need to do to inspect your leader. I'm going to, I'm going to show you some guidelines so you don't just follow a leader off a cliff. Are you with me? I'm going to give you special guidelines to inspect every leader that you follow. And if they violate those guidelines, you better run. Do you know what was assigned to you that you should run? If we shut the church down, then it means it's time for me to go. Are you with me? Okay. Today, I want to talk to you about functional authority. Functional authority. The book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 16 says, A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Now, no matter what God's called me to, I know what my function and I know what my function is and I know what my authority is. I can't go around and just start demanding certain things and go into places nobody knows me and demand things because I'm functioning outside of my authority. Are you with me? There's a lot of people that are loose cannons in the church 
or loose cannons in the body of Christ who run around and they think just because they're senior or they've been around a long time that they can go in and demand. You can't. I have no authority over any other church here in the city of Tampa. I have no right to go into any other church and bring correction. I have no right to walk into a church and stop the service and say, excuse me, I need to correct something. It's, I'm out of, it's out of my realm. But here, I'm functioning in the authority that God has given to me. Are you with me? So I always try to tell people, stay in your function. You're going to get into trouble when you step outside of your function. A man's gift will make way for you. God will make a way for you to allow you to function within those places. But I even realize that when I go into places of government, there's certain things I do and certain things I don't do, even though I know because it was not authorized for me to do it. Are you with me? Because there's certain protocol that needs to be adhered to. The same in the kingdom of God. So that's why you have these loose cannon prophets that run around, they prophet to the body of Christ. Uh, no. You might be a prophet in your realm, but you're not a prophet yet. Now shut your mouth. Amen. You can't just hand over authority to any Tom, Dick, and Harry. Somebody said, you offended me. My name is Tom. My friend's name is Dick, and my other friend's name is Harry. Look, I just happened to hit the nail on the head. I'm just trying to tell you. You stay within your function. There's an authority in the way you function, meaning that you have authority according to your abilities, whether it is by birth, training, or impartation. People are born with certain natural ability, music. Some kids at the age of four are, are virtuosos. Are you with me? Sports people. I mean, just amazing. That immediately when you watch a little kid at nine years old, he can outdrive professionals. You go, the kid's anointed. You can, I mean, you can see he has an ability. So he's within his function. These things, there's natural functionality that God has placed within each person, but then there's a spiritual, and obviously I'm tying the two together. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm not naturally talented to do. So I don't want to do those things. Amen. <laughs> don't ask me to do what I'm not naturally talented to do. But music, singing, creativity, athletics, academics, people have a higher understanding than other people. They understand certain realms, technology. Other people have no clue. It doesn't mean to say that you're stupid. It just means it's not your realm. Don't be upset because you don't know how the computer works. Just put the thing on and use it. Amen. If you go look at Acts 4 and 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of the fact that they'd been with Jesus. So because they'd been with Jesus, it gave them the functional authority. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. If you have an ability in a particular area, it's going to show up. There's certain people have an ability. When they touch a motor car, they can make their car sing. They can fix everything about the, other, the car. Other people, they don't even know where the spare tire is. They have no clue where the, where the, the spare wheel is, where, where, where the, where the, where the yeah, no, I mean the, um, whatever, the tire rod, yeah, the tire rod is. The wheel spanner, they don't know where anything is. Some people can cook, other people are useless. If you're gonna survive over of their cooking, you will die of starvation. There's whole kitchens in America that have never been used. People just Uber Eats, bring it in, put it on the table. They never turn the stove on, they've never, ever. Okay, I'll leave that alone. I've got people staring at me, don't go there, don't go there. If you have a gift from God, whether it come by birth or training or by impartation, 
as you get proficient within that gift, your gift will begin to make room for you. So what God wants you to know, don't you try to make room for your gift. Let your gift make room for you. Because what could happen is you force yourself into a place where you don't have the authority and you don't have the anointing, and then you're going to hit the, you, you'll hit the deck. Are you with me? That's why I'm totally, totally at ease here. I don't feel any pressure here. I'm totally relaxed here. Are you with me? This is not a strain. It's a joy. I said it's a joy. I don't want to miss anything going on here at the river. <laughs> I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss anything happening here at the church. It's a joy. It's a joy. I love people. I love you. I think you're amazing. Look at you sitting here under this pavilion with these big ass fans going. Just think about it. You could be standing in line for a Disney ride right now. Because some people have diligently trained and developed abilities in particular area, authorities produce in their life, and they are enabled to function with that authority in that area. We need to know our position in the body of Christ and understand what we're called to do. And as we train and develop, we can move up into higher things. God's not going to give you a higher thing until you've taken care of the lower thing. That's why I'm, I'm, I get a little frustrated to the students that come here, they go to one or two years and they already launched and I'm, I'm just looking at them and I'm going, you just, you, you just jump in the gun. You jump in the gun and I'm going to find you five years from now struggling because you're missing a few pieces. Somebody said, how do you know? Because I found them struggling, missing a few pieces. When I feel the call of God to go, you haven't finished. Yea, verily, verily, I say unto thee, it's a three-year degree. It's not a two-year degree. Finish. You function in your authority. The same principle applies in your home. We do function in our ability as a husband, wife, a parent, a child. Most of the time, we miss it when we try to do things that we're not qualified to do. There's certain things that my wife is qualified to do. One of them was to have children. I'm not qualified to have children. I do not possess the proper equipment to have children. Even if I felt I can feed the children with a bowl and a spoon, but I don't have the other equipment that is necessary to feed the child. She has the equipment. I checked it out. <laughs> She's rolling her eyes at me. I knew she had the equipment. I remember, I'm trying to think that Kirsten was probably what, oh, when you left me with the two kids, which two kids, you went shopping, and both of them had diarrhea, and both were crying, I was changing the diapers. You left me with three, I can't remember, but let me tell you, it was a nightmare. I didn't know what to do. Basically, I just filled up, put the water in the bath and stuck them in a the bath because they, as fast as I was changing diapers, they were dumping in the diapers. I, I just fixed one diaper, the other diaper. She was gone and she was shopping. When she got home, I was so happy to see her. I didn't have the equipment. They didn't want me. They wanted her. Ephesians 5, 21, 22, submitting yourselves 
one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as under the Lord, not to any other man. So no other man has a right to come in and tell you what to do. You submit to your husband. Amen. The husband is the head of the house as intended by the Lord and responsible for leading his house in love. The wife is responsible for submitting to the husband in love as under the Lord. Very important. Very important. Amen. Marriage is intended to be a teamwork. Where one is weak, the other one is strong. So over the years, her strength has helped my weaknesses. And my strength has helped her weaknesses. We are exact opposites. She is the total opposite of me. You cannot find another person on the planet that is more opposite than me, than my wife. She has everything I don't have. I have everything she doesn't have. But together we make one. Can you say amen? The biggest thing is the negotiation of how we make that one. Can you say amen? Which has to be done with much negotiation. Well, you think it's the United Nations with many discussions and sometimes we need an interpreter to help us understand each other. Because even after three hours of a major discussion, we suddenly realized we both were saying the exact same thing, yet we did not understand what we were saying. But it just happened to be that it was all, anyway, leave that alone. I'm, I'm, I'm causing problems in some people's marriages right over here, but so it's a teamwork. We are to complement one another and to be a blessing one to another. Find agreement in delegation of responsibility according to each one's gifts and abilities, and then let each one function in the ability and excel in that gifting. Do not allow your marriage to become frustrated by trying to exercise authority where you've not taken responsibility. Now, it's not that my wife won't let me in the kitchen because she knows I can cook. I cook many things. She just wouldn't let me in the kitchen because I make a mess. She cleans up after her. I've got pots and pans everywhere. If I'm in a kitchen, it is a wreck. Pans everywhere, pots everywhere. It, is, it looks like a disaster area. So that's why she gets me out, because I just need more pans. I'm a very, I can cook, but I need a lot of equipment to get the job done. And you've heard me tell the story when we go away. The last thing I do is pack. I never pack any luggage because she's going to repack it. It doesn't matter what I do. If I pack a suitcase, she will open it. She will look. She'll unpack it and repack it. I said, what are you doing? I packed it. Yeah, but this goes there. I said, there's nothing in the bag that signifies it should go there. Yeah, but this is the place to put that. And everything is laid out perfectly. And here's the thing. When she unpacks it, she puts it right back in the same place she's packed it already, so it's perfect. I just don't see the designation, but it's there. So the point is, you're going to help your wife pack. Uh, no. She's good at that. Amen. I know what I'm good at. Start the car. Get it running and honk the horn. <laughs> and text her, where are you? <laughs> it's a joke. Yes. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right, so let's talk about right and wrong authority because some people have to be put in their place. And I always just say this as, as a leader, you're not entitled to allow people to do anything they want to do. You have to pull people up and you have to put them in their place. Say, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. I have people come around you want to do, no, no, we're not doing that. What do you mean? I love you. I love you too, but you're not doing that. What does I love you got to do with you doing what you want to do? You're not doing that. We're not doing that. We don't do that here. We love you, but we're not doing that. Many people try to exercise the wrong kind of authority in the wrong situation. Look here. 
Acts 23 and verse 1 to 3, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. So now he's talking and the guy says, hit him. And Paul didn't say, oh great, hit me again. You know what Paul said? God will smite you, you whited wall. For you sit to judge me after the law and commanded me to be smitten contrary to the law. So suddenly people think because you're a Christian, somebody hits you on the, on the side of the head that you should just turn the other cheek. Paul did not do that. Paul rebukes. So there comes a time when you need to rebuke. Say, no, no, sorry. And you, can, you have to be firm with it. You still might get punched in the mouth, but you have to be firm with it. Can you say amen? The high priest commanded Paul to be struck in the mouth contrary to the law. Therefore, Paul protested and appealed to a higher authority, the Word of God, which is what we should be always going to. What does the Word of God say? Well, the government says we should do this. Well, what does the Bible say? Does that violate the Word of God? Yes. Then we are not doing it. There's plain and simple. Amen? Say this after me. If the Bible doesn't say it, and the government says we to do it, we're not doing it. We're only doing what is in line with the Scripture because God's Word is our final authority. That's your protection. Somebody said, well, that means you could go to prison. Then you go to prison. Somebody said, you could get shot and killed. Then you can't get shot and killed. But at least you die with a clear conscience that you've not violated the Word of God. Can you say amen? So therefore, Paul protested and appealed to the high authority of the Word of God. Always go to the highest authority. Acts 23, 4 and 5, they stood and said, Revilest thou God's high priest. So suddenly, they were now, oh, you're reviling the high priest, aren't you? And Paul said, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you will not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So when it was pointed out to him that he was rebuking the high priest, Paul deferred to the word of God. Even though Paul was correcting what he said and Ananias was wrong, Paul yielded to the ill treatment. In other words, go ahead. So there are times that you're going to suffer for the cause of the gospel, but you're going to stay within your realm of authority. The Word of God has a high authority in Paul's life, and it should in ours. And you should listen to those that have rule over you and those that are your spiritual leaders. Now, next week, I will give you the guidelines of when you don't listen. I'll give you the testing rounds of how you know that the leader is smoking cocaine and you should not listen to him. Are you with me? Because I want you to be protected I can't just do what I want to do. I mean, somebody said, well, you're in charge. I'm not ready at all. I have to obey the Holy Spirit because then I violate my conscience and then I get into trouble with the Lord. Are you with me? All right, so let's talk about usurping authority. Because there's a lot of people in America want to usurp authority of everything. And that's why I will not allow outside agencies to come and usurp authority over the church. You have no authority here. You've heard me say this. I have no time for sportsmen or celebrities that want to suddenly instruct the church concerning doctrine when that's not even their realm. Stay on your sports field, stay as your celebrity, but stay in your lane, stay out of the area that you're not even ordained to function within. Because I'm going to call you on the carpet over that. Matthew 20, verses 20 through 24. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee, children with their sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing. And he said, what do you want? She said, grant that my two sons may sit, one on your right hand, the other on your left hand in the kingdom. But Jesus answered, you know, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I will drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. Then he said to them, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand or my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them 
for whom it was prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren because they also had it in their heart who was going to sit on the right hand or the left hand. They just didn't vocalize it. That's why there's so much competition within the church that the moment people begin to have success, then you see jealousy being uh, raised up like a serpent and they're upset because that guy's got success. Why does he have success? He shouldn't have that success. What is he doing that is bringing him that success? That's why you've always heard me in defense of Pastor Joel Osteen because I knew his father and his mother. So when people start attacking Joel Osteen, I said, you're in the wrong room. Shut up and get out of here. You don't even know what you're talking about, you little punk. I know that family. Well, he's this and that. I said, oh, you read all the trash on the internet, don't you? You a trash internet vacuum cleaner. That's what you are. You have no clue what you're even talking about. Shut up. Well, he's just a, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not even, I'm, I'm out of here. I have nothing to say to you. I'm very defensive of the church and the body of Christ. So when I hear people attacking other ministers, you and me are going to run crossways. I'm just telling you right now. Because you don't know what you're talking about. Especially when you're getting your information off the internet. You don't, you don't build a ministry and have nine million people watching you on television on Sunday morning and be a charlatan. Seriously, nine million people watching Sunday mornings? That's how many people watch him on a Sunday morning. Oh, he's a, he's a charlatan. Really? Really? Come here, let me smack you. You obviously didn't know his father, did you? You didn't know his mother, who's still alive, who's still there in the church. Yes. She's a full of the Holy Ghost lady. Defeated stage four cancer. She prayed heaven down and hell out the door. So anyway, forgive me in my protection over other ministers that have paid the price to go into the ministry to serve God. I'm just very protective over them. So I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear what you think you know about them because you don't know anything about them. Can you say amen? Because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants the church to fight each other. And if the church fights each other, he's got the church. How do you even stand against the world when the church is divided? then you don't even know what part of the church to believe. James and John tried to elevate themselves above others because they were functioning in a worldly realm and operating with a carnal mindset. The kingdom of God cannot function like a natural kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. It is not driven by greed. It is not driven by competition. It, in sales industry, it's always a competition to see who can outsell the other person or whatever. That's the natural kingdom. God's kingdom is not competition. We're going to grow the bigger church. Who's going to have the bigger church? Fly out of here. Get away. Get on your broom and leave. We're not even talking the same language because you're not the one that grows the church. Jesus is the one that grows the church. He said, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nobody that starts out growing a church started out to grow a big church. They just started out to have church and the thing grew. Are you with me? Oh, are we going to have the biggest award? Oh, get out of here. You're no different than a bunch of kids on a summer day trying to pee the longest yellow streak in a swimming pool. Basically, that's what you're doing. You go to, anyway, let me leave that alone. Lord have mercy. The kingdom and the way authority works is by serving, serving people. Functional authority is serving people. That's why they just got elevated today into junior pastorship, and there's going to be others here over the next year or whatever, but because that's all their heart has been is to serve. 
never pushing for anything, just always serving, doing whatever, whatever needs to be done at all hours of the day or night. That's how they are. Isn't that right? Is that the truth? And always happy. You never see them sulking. You never walk around. They walk in with a, how you do? Oh, they had me working till three in the morning. They're just always happy, serving, serving for the person that wants to go somewhere, go down. When you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up to serve people. That's our job. And I still serve people, still to this day. We had a guest in here just two weeks ago. I took care of him for seven days. Everything. Here's your water. You forgot your sunglasses. And served. So he said, well, you're a very busy man. That's fine. I can lay aside my busyness to serve. Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 20. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So everybody talks about Native American Indian. Basically, Jesus was the first. He was chief cornerstone. It's a joke. Okay. Chief cornerstone. All right. Some of you will get it later. The church is built on Jesus Christ, then apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But not just because you call yourself an apostle, not just because you call yourself a prophet, not just because you call yourself an evangelist, not just because you call yourself a pastor or a teacher, but God raises you up and then gives you that authority to function within that realm. And then it's not a strain, it's not a stress. You don't get burnt out. The reason why people are burning out is because they're out of their calling. I was just talking to a pastor, uh, you know, this last week, and he said, you know, I've had this church, but he said, I'm really not a pastor. So I said, well, you need to get with what you're called to do. So I really feel called to evangelism. I said, when do you need to get with that? You need to get with what you feel called to. You don't want to find yourself in a realm that God never called you, and then you're trying to force it. So remember this, no matter what we do, no matter what realm that we find ourselves in, we support, we serve, and we always minister the Word of God. We, we're carrying plates of food. Everyone that's out there winning souls, you're serving. Somebody said, nobody saw what I did this last week. I was out in Walmart parking lot. It was so hot, and I was winning souls, and I prayed for somebody that got healed. The Lord sees everything. Well, they never saw I helped that person. I filled their gas tank with gas, and then they had their Tesla that ran out of battery. And I, you know, I brought a generator and charged their Tesla. I was so kind. It's a, it's a joke. <laughs> I'm standing in front of Tesla drivers. Sorry, uh, you know me. Uh, yeah, I brought a generator. That's why I carry a generator in the back of my Raptor, in case I see a Tesla parked on the side of the road. You want to be kind to help those that don't have power. Can you say amen? And even if they had power, you wouldn't hear that they had power. Everybody say, support, support. Serve. serve. What are we doing? We're supporting the body. We're supporting God's Word. We're serving God's Word. Every one of you that are part of this great church and ministry, all those that are in the ministry of helps, all those that are members here, that this is your home, you are, you're part of the family. And, and it's equal serving, equal reward because God's the one that rewards that. And then he elevates you within that realm that you're gonna function in, which some of you are still gonna find out because some are new, some have just been around a few years and God's getting you on even keel, getting you ready, but the day will come when he will launch you and you will fly like an eagle. Can you say amen? Yes. Hallelujah. We've got young ladies here waiting for a young man. 
and the day will come. Because the young lady, I don't know what I'm called to do. You don't need to worry about it because God's going to send you a godly man with a fire who has a vision, and then you just follow him. So you don't have to worry about, well, Pastor, I don't know what I'm called to do. Don't worry about it. Just serve, be faithful, get on fire, and God will send you a godly man, and you'll say, come here, woman, and then you'll just follow him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. With some of you, you might have to use a club. No, because you're very independent. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just talking. Our pastors will tell you there's some of you that are very independent, very stubborn, and we're really praying for you, for a husband or for a wife, but you're going to have to submit yourself and just be a little, you know, more marriageable if you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. Because we love you, we tell you the truth. So we don't lord it over the body of Christ, nor rule from the top, but we hold the church up from underneath. Why do you think that I haven't missed a Sunday here in three and a half years? Why? Even the three Sundays I was gone overseas, because I feel, I felt at this time that my job is to carry the church at least for the next seven days. Somebody said, well, other people are going to, I'm not, I, I'm not disputing, I'm talking about what's on my life, what I feel the assignment that the Lord spoke to me to do. Now, don't worry, I'm going away for five and a half weeks. I will be gone. But it's not because I don't want to be here. It's because we have to be somewhere else. I'm already ahead. I already have my next Sunday service message already prepared. It's a hot one. It's in my notes up there. It's caliente. It's hot. Not the weather, my message. I was so disappointed I couldn't preach it this morning. But how many understand that you've got to understand your function and when you understand your function, God will give you the unction to function, and then you'll get the gumption to function in the unction. Amen? Somebody said, I don't understand why that person doesn't have the gumption, because they're not functioning with the unction, and what God's called them, they're like a square peg in a round hole. There's certain people that would be horrible on the violin. Even if you wanted to play violin all your life, if I took you up there and stuck you with a violin, it would be terrible. People would block their ears and go, God, no. There's other people that would love to be soloists, but if we put you up there, even the chicardas that have been sleeping for 17 years would wake up and start to screech to drown out the noise that was coming from your throat. Because you, you don't have that ability. Do you understand what I'm saying? But sing, you must. Sing at home. Sing in your tub. Sing when nobody can hear you. <laughs> but you just understand where your function is. Can you say amen? You know, it's evident with Operation Eden, we need people that know how to grow. The worst thing you can get is somebody who does not know anything about seeds and growing. They come, they kill more plants than they give life to. We had people get in there and kill all our fish. They killed the fish in the aquaponics because they put the wrong pH in. Well, I had like 1,500 fish one Sunday, and I went by there to show people, and they're all belly up. The fish are, no, not there, back when we had it over here. The fish were like, I couldn't even give them mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. They were done. It was over and out. I said, what happened? Somebody came in and did the wrong thing. You've got to have people doing the right thing, otherwise you lose your fish. You lose your plants. What are you doing? What are you doing with that watering can? I want to help. What's in the can? If we get somebody in the kitchen 
and then suddenly there's an outbreak of diarrhea. <laughs> then we know. <laughs> what are you doing? I had this special mix that was my grandmother's mix that I thought I'd come and bless everybody. Well, you didn't bless anybody. People are stuck in the toilet now because of you. First Peter 5 and 2, I'm going to close with this. Feed the flock of God which are among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. I'm so glad that everybody that's serving here is not doing it because they have to, they're doing it because they want to. I'm so glad that everybody around this church, I mean, maybe you find one or two that moan. I have not heard any moans. Everybody's happy. Everybody's joyous. And even long hours of the day, all hours of the night, we get guests come around, they apologize to my people. I'm so sorry, it's two o'clock in the morning. They know what time it is. Boy, I tell you, you people are amazing. That's what they do. Stop complimenting what they do every day. I've never seen anything like it. I can't help it you go to a dead Baptist church. We're not doing this for the accolades of men. We're doing this for the king. We're serving the king. We want to help people. We want to lift people up. So we take oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. Well, I tell you, I'm just going to do this, but they better pay me more. In actual fact, when you end the functionality of what God's called you to do, there's no money. You'll do it for nothing. You'll do it for absolutely nothing. It's got nothing to do with that. If I get rewarded, I get rewarded. But let me tell you, I'm not doing any of that for any reward because I'm doing it for the king, which is most important. Ministers of the gospel are responsible to prepare and deliver God's word, which I find that has fallen on me as your pastor. I'm in prayer. The Lord woke me up in a dream four weeks ago. He showed me this series that I preached back in 1985 and actually took me to the notes. I got up in the morning. I walked into my office. I pulled out all the folders. I pulled out a folder, a page, two pages, and there was all my notes with the points. And then every week since then, the Lord has woken me up and given me the next point. So I get up, I go to my office, I sit down, I write out the notes. How is it that the Lord knew a series of messages that I preached in 1985 when a lot of you weren't even born? Back in the last century. But the Lord wanted me to speak on the subject of authority so that you understand authority under God is our security. That's why I'm, I'm safe. I can, have, I can be secure because I'm under his authority. As long as I'm submitted to his authority, and my wife and I are submitted to his authority, all our pastors here are submitted to his authority, then we know everything's going to be fine. Does that mean the devil's going to be happy? No. He'll look for every opportunity to take us out and do whatever he wants to, but he's failed, and he's failed on every time. Can you say amen? amen. And we'll continue to fail. So it's our job to prepare and deliver God's Word. It's your responsibility to receive and act on it. 2 Corinthians 1, 24, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. So we help us. I've come to help your faith. Let me help your faith. Let me encourage you today. Come here. You know, you're feeling weak. You're feeling discouraged. Come here. Let me help you. And sometimes that means taking five hours or six hours or a day out of your way to just strengthen somebody. Parents have to do that with your children. Are you with me?
but you can just encourage people. So you grab them, come here, well, let me walk with you for a little while. Just encourage you. Because then feel your strength. Just walk, walk with me. As busy as what you are, don't ever stop taking the time to stop and walk with somebody and strengthen them. So when they leave you, they feel, I can do this. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I had a person who was suicidal on the phone, prayed with them. I even got them a job in the city where they live. Found them a job. Why? The Lord told me, help them. Help them. Somebody said to me, I left a message. I never thought you'd ever get back. I said, when I read the message, I said, contact them immediately. I can't answer every message, but I do pray over everything. So this week, you're going to help more people. Amen. Somebody said, Pastor, I need help myself. Listen, by helping people this week, you're going to help yourself. Are you with me? You're going to help yourself. By encouraging people this week, you're going to encourage yourself. I just feel strength going through the crowd right now, just supernatural strength coming into God's people right now. You're not going to die before your time. You're not going to quit. You're not going under. You're not going to go bankrupt. You're not going to lose everything. You're going to excel. I said you're going to excel in heaven's plan for your life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many need you to hear this? Come on, you could do better than that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want everybody to bow your heads, if you would, please. Close your eyes. I want to give an invitation right now to those that have come here. Two things will happen. I'm going to give the altar call, and then we're going to have communion together, and then we'll dismiss the service. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you came here today, a friend brought you, or you saw one of the adverts and you came. But as you're sitting here today, you realize, I've never really surrendered my life to the Lord. Maybe you went around a church, you've hung around religion, but you've never personally ever said, Jesus, come be my Lord and Savior. I want to give that opportunity for you to do that right now. Because the Bible says it's appointed that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And today, you can surrender your life to the Lord to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Today, you're going to say, I'm coming out of the authority of the devil, and I'm coming out of the authority of God. From this day, I will no longer serve the devil or his agents. From this day, I will serve God, and I will be under his authority. 
and obey Him. What would happen if you went home today and put your head on your pillow and it was whatever, you just breathed out your last breath, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed, and just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sin is plunged beneath that flood, lose all the guilty stain. Today, the power of sin will be broken, the power of guilt and shame will be removed from life. You might have come here one way, but you'll leave another way. Today, He calls you. Will you surrender to Him? Will you say, yes, Lord? Something hidden that holds you back. No one can see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust. Remember I said it's, it's that submission of being a servant to humble yourself. To actually cry out and say, Lord, I need help. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's something outward that everybody can see, which makes it even worse. Because you say, well, what's the use? Everybody knows how bad I am. But God's a God of a second chance and a new beginning. And he says, come. Will you surrender to him today? Will you say, yes, Lord? Maybe a storm came against your life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world, took your breath away. Acts 3 and 19 says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of the heat, of reviving with fresh air will come from the presence of the Lord. He calls you and he says, come. Will you come today? Will you say, yes, Lord? And then maybe you hear and you say, pastor, I gave my life to the Lord, but I don't have the assurance. I don't have the bold assurance that I'm a child of God. And I want that bold assurance today that I know, that I know, that I know, that I'm a child of God. If this is you and you fit into any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you right where you are, quickly. Put your hand up right now. Say, pray for me. I need Jesus. Just slip it up high right now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Just raise up higher. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Just slip it up high and say, yes. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. There's young people raising their hands, senior people raising their hands. Just slip your hand up. I was five years old when I raised my hand to give my life to Jesus. Once you've raised it, you can put it down. I want you to look at me, if you would, please. On this section over here, all the way through the back, if you didn't raise your hand but want to be included, quickly slip your hand up and say, include me. Don't leave me out of this prayer. Quickly, just slip it up high and say, yes. Yes, that's me. Just do it right now. Your heart might be pounding away and God's speaking to you. He said, thank you, sir. He said, my spirit will not always strive with man. This section here, you didn't raise your hand but want to be included. Quickly, slip that hand up and say, include me. Include me in the prayer you're going to pray. Right at the back. Anybody else? Anyone else? <clears throat> this section over here, you didn't raise hand but want to be included. Just slip that hand up right now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want everyone that raised your hand. I want you to stand right now all across the building, all across the field, stand. Everyone that raised your hand, stand. I want you to come and stand right here. We're going to pray together. Come. Bring your personal belongings and come. Come right now. Follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. I have decided. I have decided to follow. Jesus. 
No turning back. No turning back. Put it right there. And no, no turning, turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The The cross before me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The world behind. No turning back. No turning. No turning back. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. But give me Jesus. You can take the whole world. But give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Oh, wonderful Jesus. On a hot summer's day in the city of Tampa, Florida, on the ninth day of July, 2023, people are walking down the aisles, coming, surrendering their life to Jesus. That's why this whole ministry, that's why this ministry exists. But let me just say this, not just for you here, but you precious ones that are watching by television. As you're clicking through the channel and you got stuck on this channel, but God's got something special for you. As I pray with them, I want you to pray with me and invite Jesus into your heart. So I want everyone here to look at me, please, if you would. You've not come to man, but you've come to the Lord. I'm just a servant of God. God sent me as a missionary from Africa. My wife and I came here in December of 87, $300, four suitcases, didn't hardly know anybody. And now by God's grace, has carried us to 88 countries of the world. And so the Lord sent me here for you for this day. This is a holy moment. So we're gonna pray a simple prayer. And if you mean business with God, God means business with you. I want you to close your eyes and raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from and you that are watching in your homes to pray this prayer. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your words, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. And I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith, in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. 
Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now just close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. Let me pray over you, Father. I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them. That between now and the time they come home to be with you, may they wreak total nightmare. May they be a total nightmare for the devil and take many souls with them. And I pray this now. I pray a blessing upon them now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown, or for additional resources, visit revival.com.